welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Wonderful. You good? I'm, I feel good. You look good? God is good. It doesn't always feel good, by the way. It doesn't always feel good. Sometimes life's hard. But the presence of problems doesn't mean the absence of God. You with me? The presence of problems does not mean the absence of God. In fact, the presence of problems is just a communication that you carry an anointing. You carry power. You carry something inside of you. And so whenever a problem comes, don't look at it in the natural. Start partnering with the Holy Spirit and asking, ask the Holy Spirit. One of the most underrated gifts in the church is the gift of discernment. Without the gift of discernment, you will abort what God's calling you to birth and birth what God's calling you to abort. And so we've got to have the gift of discernment where we're inviting the Spirit of God. Hey, what is this? Because you know sometimes the problem, how many of you have prayed that prayer where you've said, God, like either open or close the door? <laughs> and then the door closes and we're like, God, you haven't opened the door. You know what I'm saying? And so it requires discernment. It requires discernment for us to work out what God really is doing. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, and we're going to read from verse, um, I've given um, Izzy verse 8, but we're going to read from verse 6 again for the sake of those that have their Bibles. We're in part 2. Last, last Sunday we were speaking about the tithe we're going to do a very, very brief recap and, uh, and uh, get into it. Um, but let's just let's read this very quickly. It says in verse number 6 of Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, it says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances everybody say ordinance say it a little louder say ordinance and yet and have not kept them return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts but you said in what way shall we return to you this is really important for us to understand that God is in his grace and his mercy is issuing an invitation God is so gracious since the, their forefathers leading back to Jacob, these guys have been turning away from God. They've got a history 
of um, being in a cycle where they come to God and they repent and everything's good and then they get familiar with that God that once delivered them and then they start cruising in the blessing that they're already in. Are you with me? They just start cruising, they start taking it for granted and then life has a pretty good way of what I call or, or what happens over that time, what I call spiritual amnesia, we start forgetting because we get more connected with the flesh way of thinking, carnal way of thinking. And so as a result of living just purely present in this kind of third dimensional earth realm, we forget there's a God that delivered and saved us and set us free. And so as a result of that familiarity, Without even realizing, we begin to take life into our own hands. We stop participating in relationship with God and we start uh, wondering where God is. And when we live in that place of familiarity, it's easy to live in disobedience and then therefore sin. And then the cycle continues and that's the cycle. But God is so full of grace and mercy and love for you and for me. Because I don't know about you, but in areas of my life, can we just, let's be real. Because we can put on a show straight up in here where we dress up. Someone even said I look quite good today. Someone acknowledged that I matched my shoes with my jacket. I didn't even try to do that. God, he's God of miracles. But we can put on a show here. We can, we can lift the hands, we can come down, the, we can do all the religious things. We can look super Christian. We can look super Christian, but not be connected to Christ. We can have all that. We have a history and let's just be super honest. You and I have secret struggles and secret things that we struggle with that no one else will ever know about. Some of us slash you slash we, <laughs> we have secret struggles, secret things that our own spouses don't even know about, our children don't know about. We're talking real here today. It's gone back to the Presbyterian church. It's quiet. Isn't it the truth? And so if we're not careful, often we can read the scriptures and think those guys were absolutely crazy. Look what God just did. And now they're backslidden in their hearts. They've moved into this place. They're living in disobedience. But the truth is, often that scripture and that story is a picture of you and I. And here's why stewarding the place of your heart is by far the most important thing that you need to steward. It is so important that you steward the area of your heart that God didn't just command or speak to you and encourage and command you to steward it. God actually says, I want you to guard your heart. I need you to guard your heart. I need you to set up some things around your heart that are gonna cause and ensure that your heart stays connected to me. Amen. 
And so God, in his grace and his mercy, he issues, he is such a good God. And I wanted to say all that, I wanted to say all that, not to lead into some sort of salvation altar call or for you to repent, but I wanted to say all that because I want you to understand that you and I, God, just like he was in Malachi chapter three, God is also issuing you and I with an invitation today, an invitation. And I want you, whenever you read the scriptures, I want you to be asking that very deliberate question. What invitation is God inviting me into today? What doorway is God inviting me through today? What's the place that God's calling me into today? Let's keep reading. Haven't even, this is going to be the shortest sermon ever. Let's read verse number eight. From uh, verse number eight, will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what ways have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse. For you have, you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be no room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Someone say amen. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you, for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land says the Lord. Let's quickly run over those 10 things very quickly. Number one, um, and we're just going to zoom in on the last two things today. Number one, tithing at a basic level is 10%. The Hebrew word for tithe simply means 10th. And so that's where we get the idea around tithing that we give 10%. It's quite a simple concept. Tithing, number two, it's a mystery. Have you got these, bro? I think you might have them there. Just go up a little bit. they might have been there from last week. Tithing is a, and I've specifically said this in um, language that'll help you think, but number two, tithing is a mystery, a God technology, a key which God has given you to unlock things on earth. Tithing is, it's a revelation. Tithing is a revelation. So I want you to understand, I don't want you to give just because you've got this thing in here that you should give. No one should ever give like that. In fact, I would encourage you not to give until you get a revelation about giving. Let me be very, very clear. I cannot be clear enough. We, we don't take up offerings like pass the buckets around in this church. On a, we don't do it at all. Um, not to say that we won't. I'm just saying that we don't. We don't do an offering talk. We don't do anything like that. We certainly want to provide an opportunity to give because we believe in tithing and we believe in giving. But if you don't have a revelation about tithing, um, then I want to encourage you to put in the work and start working in the scriptures and working with the Holy Spirit and working within the safety of community and people that you know, love and trust and people that you know, love and trust you and start having a conversation about tithing. Get a revelation from God and let God speak to you. But tithing is a mystery. It's like a secret code 
It's like a mode of operation in the kingdom. Number three, tithing. It's my responsibility. We refer to Nehemiah 10.35. Uh, number four, tithing redeems the rest. We briefly spoke on the, we touched on that uh, it's less about 10% and more about giving the first, the first fruits. And so there's a principle, it's called the law of the first, that when we give the first, the Bible teaches us that it redeems the rest. This has crescendoed this idea, this spiritual truth in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, where the Bible, Paul teaches us that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. And in being the firstborn, he's the, first, uh, the firstborn of many walking in power, walking in freedom, walking in resurrection. And so we have the ability to follow because the first redeems the rest. Number five, uh, tithing, what am I up to? Uh, well, it's five on my sheet, so I'm just going with it. All my numbers are muddled up. The next point, <laughs> tithing is an, opera, uh, is an extension of us living a holy life. In other words, tithing requires maturity because it requires revelation. Revelation, um, revelation communicates that you're on a journey of growing and maturing in the things of God. Next point is tithing is an operation of faith and trust in God. Let's keep going. Uh, number seven, we established that Jesus taught tithing. He actually affirmed tithing as far as I read the scriptures. And please remember, these are just, this is just my humble opinion. Doesn't have to be yours. I'm just teaching God's word how I see it to you today. Number eight, I want you to um, highlight this one. The tithe... When we participate in tithing, we are, the tithe is prophetic participation with God to see his plan come to pass. Number nine, we think tithing is about money. We're going to park here for a few moments. We think tithing is about money, but it's about honouring ownership. Turn to your neighbour and say Ownership. We think tithing is about money, but tithe, the concept of tithing is actually about honouring ownership. Honouring ownership. Now, it's important for us to go over this point again because every time, maybe not every time, but every time you hear me preach, I'm trying to shift your mentality from being anchored in this world. I'm trying to shift your mentality. I'm trying to shift your life from purely thinking that everything that happens in life is exclusively a result of what's happening in this world that we see with our natural eyes. And also I'm trying to shift the idea that every solution is gonna come only from this natural place. I'm trying to get us, Paul said, said it like this, that he's trying to shift us out of living out of carnality and living and walking and living by the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, I believe it was. Walking and living or living and walking by the Spirit of God. In other words, you can exist, you can be a church attender, you can be someone that throws up prayers every now and then, you can be someone that serves on teams in churches, but you can still live a life in, uh, that, that is anchored 
or that is unaware is probably a better way, that is unaware and unconnected, disconnected from some spiritual realities. I want you to see tithing, and this was one of the main points, as a law and as a principle that God has allowed us to participate in. That's another thing that allows us to participate in kingdom activity with Him. I want you to see it in the same vein. Just like, for example, um, if you're new and you're visiting here today, firstly, apologize, we're talking about money. We do this once a year, so sucked in. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, hope you come back next week. We'll talk about something else. Um, but here we are, and that is what it is. Um, sorry, that just came out of my mouth. I couldn't help it. Um, but but the reality is, the reality is, is that... Um, if you're a new person or you don't understand church and you walk in here and you see people standing up the front and they're lifting their hands and you see people uh, uh, doing crazy things and they're, they're worshipping and they're getting on their knees and they're maybe on their face and they're, some people are laughing in the church, some people are crying in the church, some people are just giving it those ones. Some of them, but the point is our spiritual practices are not to be determined or not to be dumbed down because we're trying to be contemporary to the world. Because the world are going to walk in here and they're going to look at our worship and they're going to look at me raising my hands and they're going to be like, this is straight up weird. Like, are you reaching for a light bulb? what are you doing and so we must never live I reckon one of the one of the worst things that we've done as the western church is we've focused so hard on trying to be contemporary so hard to try to create a conducive comfortable environment for people that don't even love Jesus and as a result, we haven't matured followers of Jesus in being able to just let loose and go for God because we've dumbed the worship down for someone that doesn't even worship. But I want to tell you today, I want to tell you today, spiritual things to worldly people don't make sense. I want you to see tithing in the same light as worship. Worship is an amazing key that God has given us. Not only is it just a part of our lifestyle to bless Him and to worship Him, but God is so good that in He is hardwired into our worship. He's hardwired this thing where the presence of God comes and fills a room or space or our hearts. And so I want us to see giving in the same space. And so we think tithing is about money, but it's not. It's about ownership. It's about honoring rightful ownership. And ownership in the kingdom, are you ready for this? I want to say something that's going to make you want to walk out. But ownership in the kingdom, you ready? I love saying hard things. It's probably not that hard. But ownership in the kingdom is an act of rebellion. When you live with an attitude of ownership and entitlement in the context of kingdom living, you're living in rebellion. Leviticus chapter 27, 
verses number 30, says a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Let's read that again. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. So here we are establishing that the tithe belongs. It's not owned by us. We're not really giving it to God. We're giving it back to God. We're not giving it to God. We're giving it back to God because it is his as it's his. He owns it. I want to give you three things of why I believe tithing has become a contentious topic in the church. Are you ready for this? My first thought, these are just my personal thoughts as I've been musing over this concept. But my first thought, the reason why pastors, preachers, teachers, churches in general have resorted to just going down the route of having a five to seven minute, three to seven minute offering talk every week and not really ever establish deep truth around the context of tithing or giving is number one, the first reason why I think it's controversial in the church is because ministers and ministries have misused money. I'll be honest and say I live, even in these topics, I find this in one breath very, very, very awkward to preach about in one breath, I really do. Because there's a Mr. Noma out there in the church world and also the secular world, you're gonna finish the sentence, ready? All the church wants is your See, that wasn't just a word of knowledge. (laughs) That was a thing that you know has been said. All the church wants is your money. And the the world rightfully so, and, uh, and Christians rightfully at times so, think that that is a thing. And so you've got a generation of pastors and leaders that live under the weight of trying to balance delicately knowing that money has been misused by ministers. I'm just being real, it really has. It's been abuse, it's been uh, men and women of God have, have pushed it because there's been an agenda behind it. They've pushed it for wrong reasons at times. They've pushed it at times for personal gain. And at other times they've pushed it because ultimately, if you don't know, this is real family talk now, please come back next week, um, visitors. Uh, But the truth is, is that the church has a budget and the way that financially that budget is met is through the tithes and the offerings that the faithful people in the church bring. And let me just say that that is actually the biblical pattern. Nehemiah is a good place to go to to realise what that's about. And so we've pushed it, we've misused money uh, and, and we, men and women of God have misused money in these spaces. They've, and as a result, it's become a controversial topic. I also want to say by balance of that statement, if you are getting your facts about a Christian's pastor, a Christian or pastor or church leader's wealth off the internet please stop. 
If you're listening, this is just, well, I'm loving this. But if you were listening to the latest update on what's happening and how this person's got this Bentley and Ferrari and this and we saw them on that plane and we saw them and they have preacher sneakers, hashtag and all those sorts of things. If your view and opinion of that person is coming from outside of your personal experience of that person, can I be very, very honest with you. You are participating and perpetuating a voice of gossip that exists within the church. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be held account. They should. But sometimes it's not our job to judge and we don't know the full story. And so I want to humbly suggest to you that as we approach judging or categorizing ministries or people regarding their perceived wealth, that we do that with humility and we also do that with facts. More often than not, the information that you're getting about celebrity pastors is not true or it's embellished. And so if it doesn't affect you, you don't need it. Pray for them. Bless them. You know what I'm saying? If you really think there's an issue, sometimes when the Holy Spirit really, um, reveals something prophetic to you, word of wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, it's not always to bring to that person. Sometimes it's because God wants you to pray. Because you, as a responsible praying person, have the power to shift something over that person's life. And instead of going out there talking about it, why don't you pray? Lord, show me what to pray for this person. Are you with me? The second reason is that I think that we haven't spoken about giving with clarity like this is because there's been a spiritual assignment against the church around money. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And I really believe that there has been an assignment in this area where ministers have felt the pressure, don't talk about money. Don't talk about finances, don't talk about money. But I wanna tell you today that there is a spirit and an agenda behind the media, not all parts. There's big generalizations here, so please hear what, don't hear what I'm not saying. But there is a, an agenda behind certain parts of the media there is an agenda behind certain parts of government. And when I say agenda, I'm not talking about human gender. I'm talking about a spiritual agenda. That we as the church, there's a spiritual agenda behind parts of education. We're talking about raising a child in the way that they should go. The spirit of this age is grabbing hold of that biblical principle and saying, well, we're going to now show you the way in which your children should go. And so parents, please realize that you are responsible for the discipleship of your children. Please don't delegate it to a church program. It will let you down. Don't delegate your child's discipleship to Sunday or Friday youth attendance. Please understand that you are the spiritual priests over your home and you have a responsibility to be ministering the things of God in your own household. Can I hear an amen? The third reason why is because I, th I think why it's controversial is because preachers and teachers, churches in general, have just been weak in this area and we've bowed to public pressure. As it said, what happens 
generalization again, but often they say what happens in the pulpit is reflected in the pew. And so when there's weak teaching on a topic, the body of Christ become malnutritious in certain areas. We are strong in some areas, especially in this nation around praise and around worship, but in other areas we are lacking the maturity and the depth because we haven't had people teach it correctly. So to understand stewardship, we've got to understand that we don't own anything. I want you to write that down. To understand stewardship, we've got to understand that we don't own anything, but we only have access. Let's just read a few more scriptures. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15. We're right back at the stewardship conversation. And we're in the middle of talking about tithing because tithing is an issue of stewardship because it's easy to release what's not yours in the first place. Check this out. This is Genesis chapter two, verses number 15. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. Put him, Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. They're the words I want you to focus on. And the Lord God commanded man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God was saying, I'm giving you access. In the kingdom of God, you and I only have access. We, when we own When we own what God only called us to access, we become out of alignment. Let me say that again. When we own what God has called us to manage, steward, when we own what God has only called us to access, we become out of alignment. Ownership, when you own something that's not yours in this context, Ownership brings about a whole lot of stress. Ownership brings about a whole lot of worry. Ownership brings about a whole lot of fear. Ownership is killing people all over our society. We are stressed out of our minds over things. But part of the reason why we're stressed out of our minds in the church is because we are owning problems that God's never called us to own. We're owning things that God's never called us to own. We are, we are called to access, but not own. See, God was saying, I'm giving you access. Think about it. So, so we get to steward it, we get to access it, but we don't own it. When we own things, we become out of alignment. Can we just go a little deeper this morning? Is that all right? Think about the prodigal son for a moment. The prodigal son had access, but he wanted ownership. And when he, the moment he started, in the, the moment ownership started is the moment lack started. Is the moment trouble started. Is the moment his life started going down. Why? Because when he owned it, he was out of alignment. But the moment that he returned back to accessing what the father had, alignment took place again. 
And so maybe one of the blockages in your life or one of the reasons why your life feels like it's on repeat in certain areas around problems, around challenges, around this or that, is because you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what am I owning that you've given me access to? What am I calling my own that actually belongs to you? I need to give it back to you. Genesis tells us, God says, I'll give you every tree. Have a look at this. I'll give you every tree, but one, in the, one tree in the garden. Allegorically speaking, I reckon God is saying that one tree is the tithe of that garden. When you take that tree as your own, he said, don't touch it. Why not touch it? Because it belongs to the Lord. You're with me? And so when you eat of that, when you eat the tithe, when you eat what God's called you to, when you own what God's called you to access, you're out of alignment. You know, there are so many things that happen in all of our lives that behind it is more, behind it is something spiritual. Not always something spiritual. Don't go looking for a demon under every blanket or towel in your house. Come out, you know, where are you? Not everything is a spirit. Some of it's just poor stewardship on your part. But sometimes it is. If you're feeling like the heavens are closed up over you, I want you to be asking the question, what am I owning that I should just be accessing? Or what is happening in my life, Holy Spirit, in the area of my heart that I need to submit to you in a new way. Tithing is not about money. Tithing is about ownership. And point number 10 as we close, Dave, do you wanna jump up on the keys please, sir? But I want you to refer to tithing from now on in part, as one was calling it tithing, but I want you to think of it, when you say the word tithe, what I want, to, want you to hear in your head, in your mind, in your thinking, as you think about that topic, is the law of open heavens. When you think about tithing and giving, I want you to think about the law of open heavens. I want you to think about the seven blessings in Malachi chapter three, that God prophesies over you and declares over your life when you participate in this divine technology called giving. You can, you can, excuse me, you can approach God there are many things that open the heavens over our life. The biggest, the first one is Jesus himself, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection. But please do not be ignorant around the spiritual dynamic that we still live in. Where until the very end time where Jesus returns and puts everything under his feet, there's still a battle and a journey happening. 
And so when you think about tithing, I want you to think about this is the law of the open heavens, that God, when you give, God opens, the Bible says, the windows of heaven. Let's just read these seven things and then we're gonna go home. The first one, I've touched on it last week. The first one is that God will open, the first blessing is that He will open for you the windows of heaven. You got that, Izzy? Thank you, sir. That He will open for you the windows of heaven. When you give, right? You might wanna think about this from a financial perspective. I don't really care, but I just believe that when we give of what we have, there's a principle that out unfolds called the law of open heavens. Heaven is open over you. And these seven blessings found in Malachi chapter uh, three, the first blessing is that God opens the windows of heaven. When you tithe and when you give, specifically Malachi 3.10 now, you can expect open heavens over your life, come on. That's why the worship and God is moving so powerfully in our environment at the moment, because there is a law of open heavens over this gathering. There is a law, there is an open heaven over this place in Jesus' Name. The second, the Bible says that He'll pour out such a blessing all the commentators say that God, that this is God talking that the Lord promises prosperity when we give. Now remember at the very start, this isn't a blabbered and grab it church. This is not a prosperity gospel preaching church, but prosperity in our definition is nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing. You can have a billion dollars, but you can be sick in your body and you're, as bro you're as broke as they come. Are you with me? It's a holistic thing. The third blessing is the Bible says that I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. The word rebuke here is the Hebrew word cripple or paralyze. He, isn't that exciting? That when you participate in the law of open heavens, God cripples the enemy. Someone say, Amen. I, I know this is hard, isn't it? Is it hard? No, or you're just quiet. I think it can be hard because I think sometimes um, we've all been on a church, a journey in the Western church where we're like, oh, can I say amen to blessing? Can I say amen to that? Can I say amen to that? Come on, let's align with what God's Word says. Let's get out of what the culture, let's get out of what Everything else is saying, what matters most is what God's Word is saying. Amen. 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 Looking at mouths, I'm looking at mouths. No, I'm not really. The fourth is I'll rebuke the devourers for your sake. Oh, sorry. And then it goes on and it says, um, uh, uh, oh, uh, He will not destroy the fruit of your ground. He will not destroy the fruit of your ground. He, God promises that the enemy will not touch the fruit of your ground. You can read later Deuteronomy 28, 6 to 8. The fifth is, no, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit, bear fruit for you in the field. The vine speaks of the family of God. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you're the branches. In other words, we're a family. Even in the Old Testament, God refers to Israel in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21 as a vine. So the vine is symbolic of both the family of God and our families. And the promise means that our families will never lack. 
When you sow into God's kingdom, God promises something for your children. Psalms 112, two to three, His descendants shall be mighty. Who? His descendants shall be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in His house and His righteousness endures forever. The sixth, second last is all nations shall call you blessed. When you participate in the law of open heavens through tithes and offerings, God Almighty will will bless you. You become, your life becomes a sign and a wonder to others. Your life, did you hear that? Your life becomes a blessing, becomes a testimony. And the last one is that for you will be a delightful land. And the word delight there means highly desired. Highly desired. Highly desired. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're gonna close in prayer. Wonderful Jesus, we just bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, we give you all the praise, we give you all the glory today. We just take this opportunity to honour You. To honour You for who You are, to honour You for what You're doing. And we give You all the glory and the praise. So right now, Jesus, be glorified in this room. Right now, Jesus, be magnified in this room. Father, I know we've spoken practically about money. We've spoken practically about the tithe and the offering and it can be contentious, it can be awkward. But more than anything today, I pray that every heart, I pray that every heart would be turned to the name of Jesus. I pray that Jesus would be glorified. I pray that Jesus would be exalted. I pray that Jesus would be honoured. I pray that Jesus would be blessed. I pray, Father, and I declare right now, even in our giving, Father, in the giving of our worship, in the giving of our song, in the giving of our prayer, in the giving of our service, in the giving of our money, in the giving of our time. I pray, Father, that Your Name would be glorified. I pray that that wave of glorification, Father, would would uh, overflow out of this room today, would touch every street, would touch our neighbours, Father, would touch every community, Father, schools, universities, workplaces, every home, Father, we just pray in the Name of Jesus. Lord, that as we participate in uh, the law of open heavens, I pray, Father, that there would be an open heaven over our entire community right now. I pray that there would be an open heaven, Father, in the name of Jesus over these northern suburbs in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, can you pray with me for one minute? I pray that there would be an open heaven over homes, Father, over crack and drug houses, Father. Lord, right now, those secret houses that are that are cooking up drugs right now, I pray in open heaven that you would come and touch those people in the name of Jesus right now. I pray where there's dysfunction and brokenness in homes and families. I pray an open heaven. I declare an open heaven over them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, over hospitals.
hospitals, God, would you do it again like you've done it before? Would an open heaven, would healing break out in hospital beds, Father, in cancer wards, Jesus? Lord, God, right now in people's minds, I pray, Lord, that the darkness, Lord, right now would be gone in Jesus' mighty name as an open heaven fills that place in Jesus' mighty name. We declare it, Father. We declare over this church community. And we thank You, Lord, that we're living because of the grace of Jesus under an open heaven. So we give You all the praise. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Come on, just go ahead and just thank the Lord today. Wonderful Jesus. So good. Well, thanks for being here today. I do want to do one last thing before you move. And I know that um, exams start pretty soon for year 12 students. Um, and so I know that there might be a few here um, that are involved in that. And so um, we're going to pray. Some probably might not be here because they might be at home studying and doing all those sorts of things. But I thought it'd be good for us to, as a church community uh, to just quickly lift up, especially year 12 students, but all, all um, students going into exams. Um, and then we're going to go. We're going to come back tonight. It's going to be great. But Father, if there's a student around you or if you're a student and that's you, you want to receive prayer, we want to do that. Just put your hand up and we'll do that. But Father, we thank you for clarity of mind. We thank you, Father, for clarity of mind. Lord, that they will have the ability to find peace in the pressure, the person of Jesus. Lord, I declare not only clarity of mind, but the ability to articulate, to answer, to draw upon the knowledge that they have put inside of them. Lord, I pray for favour over them. I pray for peace over them. Lord, in their sleeping, I declare peace. I declare God dreams. Like I say to my kids, I declare Jesus dreams over your life in the name of Jesus. The unlocking of divine mysteries, that you would meet Jesus, the the Prince of Peace right now. And Father, I just thank You, Lord, for favour, favour and wisdom, that spirit of wisdom would be with You. We declare it over You. We declare that Your future is prosperous and blessed, that there is favour on Your life in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks everyone. Now listen, make every effort to be here tonight. I promise you, you will not um, you will not go wanting. You will if you don't come. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Now, just to clarify, because there is a little bit of confusion, uh, it's a, a team night, but it's a everyone in night. We've just made the team night our Jesus night. And so whether you're on team or just a part of the church family or just want to come, come along. It's going to be awesome. 4 p.m. Sausage Sizzle starts. So um, we'll just pray God's blessing over those sausages. Um, um, that's going to be awesome. And so come around that time and then 5 p.m. the service kicks off with uh, Pastor Stacy, who's going to move powerfully in the prophetic tonight. Look forward to seeing you there. God bless you. We're going to go wild tonight. See you then.